Amen. Well, I confess I should not be up here today because I'm, I'm like, Lord, what, 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 what is going on here? So I, I guess I'll just start with uh, 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 my story. Um, for the last number of months, um, it has been a whirlwind for me since, uh, since August. Um, and I've kind of felt like, you know, last night I was twittering my life away. So if you want to be all in my business, you just got to read Twitter. <laughs> it's all in my world. Uh, but I, I felt myself just kind of purifying my, my own thoughts. And you know how there are times when you're just frustrated and you're overwhelmed and you just, you know, you're just trying to get out, you know, get some stuff out of here. Just kind of clarify your mind. Or clear your mind, and you know it's it's it can be quite challenging. You know, we living in, living in the world, trying to figure things out, trying to figure out where you're going, what you're doing. You know, you have your ideas about where you want to go, what you want to do, and you pray. You ask God to lead you. He gives you some direction, and you figure you're on the right path. And as you're moving in it, though, you forget about you. You don't really pay attention to all of the 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 brick walls or all the rocks that come in your way as you're moving forward. And those things can be pretty discouraging. And so for the first number of months, uh, I felt that way. I felt uh, excited, and then as time went on, I started to feel beat up because what, what we were trying to build and what we have been trying to build faces has been facing so much opposition. I'm talking personally as a school and um, as a principal. So this is going on the podcast, so let it be public. So, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, but, uh, the name of our school is Newark Innovation Academy. And so the middle word is innovation. But what I found was as we are working to be innovative, you always find yourself being put in a position to be uh, indoctrinated. And so those are the two words that really stuck out uh, to me today even as I was preparing to talk to you guys this morning. It's, you know, indoctrination versus innovation. This, that's an old, this is not a 21st century experience. This is so old school and biblical and Old Testament, uh, you couldn't get any more factual about, you know, indoctrination and innovation. Those are two things that we battle in the world today. And we've been battling for years on end. But as we're moving into a new method of educating young people using different strategies than what's normally offered in a comprehensive school or a magnet school, you know, we have students who go to school three days a week and they internship twice a week with a mentor. We have students who are uh, taking college classes while they're in high school and also working on developing portfolios in their work rather than just taking exams uh, at the end of a, a, a class doing presentations in front of bodies of, of adults to, who are basically critiquing their work and determining if they've done all they needed to do to graduate. So some of our innovative practices have been facing some old traditional points of view. And whenever you are moving in a direction that opposes tradition, you're going to fight the battle of indoctrination. I was feeling a lot like Nehemiah was. He, you know, he was called to build this wall, 
and you know, on behalf of his people, and as he's there working to build the wall, and maybe you have that experience. Maybe there's something you are really feel called to do and commissioned to do, something you've been directed to do, and as you're doing it, you feel like you're getting all of this pushback from people. Maybe it's your friends, maybe it's relatives, people just not hearing the same thing. They're just not on the same page. You're, you just want to find one person who speaks the same language you do. Just one person who has the same vision that you do. Because it can be weary. It can be wearisome. You find yourself being beat down. I found myself getting beat down by indoctrination. We're trying to fulfill what we were sent to Newark to do. And then on the very at that very moment there there were bodies and pockets all around us telling us, No, stay right here. Keep going this way. Even though we've been going this way for many years and you've gotten very poor results. But that's the system that we're in. That's very much a part of a sin nature. Sin doesn't like to come out, see you come out from what you're used to doing. That's sinful, repetitive thinking, right? That's our very sin nature. We like to get comfortable in the same old, same old. And when we walk with Christ, God is always calling us out of the common things, things that are familiar. He's always pushing the envelope with us as individuals because he wants us to see that our sin nature says, keep doing the same thing, get the same result. Our Christ nature, when we become Christians, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, he pushes the envelope with us and tells us to go in a different direction. I'm going to read, let's read Numbers 13. Let me not jump there. Hold on. Nehemiah, chapter 4. Can that be brought up on the screen? Nehemiah 4. Since I'm having technical difficulties. Nehemiah 4, 6 through 15. Everybody have it? Can we do the New Living Translation? So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanbalt, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Shadod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and, post, and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judea said, 
the strength of the laborers are giving out. And there is so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. So our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, who, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. After I looked over things, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials of the rest of the people, the, the, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their, their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. Amen? kind of summarizes the experience Nehemiah was having. Here they were. You can go back to verse 6. So here they were, given this challenge to rebuild a wall, to rebuild their land, to take on something that was humongous. If you read the chapter and read the book of Nehemiah yourself, you'll see the journey that he had. And I talked a little bit about this before on another occasion when I, when I spoke to you guys. But here he had this challenge of rebuilding a wall. An awesome task. Probably near impossible for a single person to handle on their own. And yet, you know, he, during that time we see he was basically being bullied, being challenged about whether he can do it or not. We face the same thing sometimes, don't we? Well, a lot of times, if you're honest with yourself, a lot of times people are always doubting. People spend more time doubting our abilities than they do seeing the possibility. Right? Seeing what can be accomplished. A lot of times we're doing that to ourselves. I'm, I'm a victim of it. I'll be the first to criticize what could be done or what I'm attempting to do and spend more time there than I do actually working it. Sometimes our greatest enemy is ourselves. True? So it makes it worse when we have other people around us who are convinced that this shouldn't be happening. Some people are opposition to us just for the sake of being opposition because it wasn't their idea. They weren't involved in the building of the wall. They weren't building your, in your bright idea. They weren't a part of it. So now they want to crush it. God designed us for a specific purpose. His assignment for Nehemiah was to build the wall for his people, to protect them. For each of us, it's something different. It may not be a real-life wall like Jeremiah, but it certainly is. There is a task, and there's certainly a responsibility that God has given you. Each one of us that he's called us to, that only we have been challenged to do. The wall was Jeremiah's responsibility. That's what God challenged him to do. We have to ask ourselves, what is God challenging me to do? What is God challenging me to do? What do I keep going for and going for and hitting opposition? 
doesn't mean God hadn't called you for it. Doesn't mean God hadn't told you to do it. It just means, well, it's actually evidence that you're in the right, that you're in your sweet spot, that you're hitting the target, that you're heading in the right direction. It is very natural for us to face opposition. The attempt will always be to indoctrinate us to the old, to what's comfortable, as opposed to doing what's innovative and what's new. The Bible says, behold, I'm doing a new thing in you. (laughs) He says, don't you perceive it? So God is always trying to do something new. Let me define indoctrination for you. Indoctrination is teaching someone to accept doctrines or beliefs uncritically. Teaching someone to accept doctrines, beliefs, uncritically. It means to teach with a bias or one-sided ideology. That's indoctrination. Indoctrination looks at things from one angle. Indoctrination refuses to look at the bigger picture. Indoctrination focuses on moving your attention in one direction. In a way that suits the majority. Nehemiah was not a part of the majority. God had given him a specific task to go rebuild the wall. He didn't tell a whole bunch of other people to do it. He gave Nehemiah the task to do it, and it was up to Nehemiah to identify other people who had the same passion as he did to go with him. Innovation. Simple. It's the introduction of new things or methods. That's innovation. The introduction of new things or methods. Okay, so let me, this is kind of tripping me out, so just bear with me. Hope you can follow it. So innovation is the introduction of something new, right? When you get something new and you want other people to learn it, what do you do? What? You indoctrinate them. Okay? Okay. So, indoctrination on its own can be death. It's really social suicide. Because you only you only keep going in one direction. And you think you're going to get something new by staying in that one direction. Okay? Innovation is the introduction of something new. If you want other people to get it, You have to indoctrinate them, right? It's an openness to new patterns, a new way of thinking that continually makes you cutting edge. So as I do something innovative, as I create that new lipstick that has the glow in the light bulb so I can look in the mirror as I'm putting the lipstick on. Not me. One of y'all. I'm just giving an example. (laughs) Right. Sure, sure, sure. Right? (laughs) So, 
I may find, that's a great idea, right? I share it. I want the people to use it. Oh, somebody has it right up there. I've heard about it before. That's why I brought it up. Somebody has it. So, so it's a new idea. But is that the only idea? No. No. The world only wants us to believe. Wants to indoctrinate us with their point of view. Stay with me. The role of scripture is to innovate our thinking. The role of scripture is to innovate our thinking. Okay, this is not an innovative idea. The Holy Spirit works through us as we read scripture to display and to point out to us innovative ideas. Innovative ways of living. We were not designed to do things as usual. If you boxed your life in to only doing things the exact same way you saw them in the Bible, well, you actually should be dead by now. Right? Because you weren't living in biblical times, were you? No. So this is another cutting edge thing. Another innovative idea. The Bible is so revolutionary because the Holy Spirit God knew that his word would transcend space and time to reach different kinds of people in different parts of the world, at different points in history, right? To empower them to do unordinary things. So he uses the stories in scripture to teach you strategy on how to be effective in the world both in sharing the gospel, but also sharing that innovative idea he's given you. So the Bible is not a bunch of wishes. It's not a bunch of old news stories. It actually requires, and God knew this from the beginning of time, it always, it, it, because it's God's word, it's God-breathed, it transcends space and time. So that's why you can read an old story and get a new message. And make it applicable to you now. And you could read that story ten years from now and get another, get another lesson from it. Because it is God's word that transcends space and time. It's innovative. So here we were at this point in time, Nehemiah was asked to do something very innovative. You go, to, you go back there to your home, you rebuild the wall. You protect your people. He's committed to it, he's doing it. Okay? Recognize that in a world where you are called to be innovative and uncommon, to be different than everybody else, you will always face opposition. Matter of fact, your gifts were designed, and you were given your gifts 
You were given your gifts to engage opposition. Your talents and abilities were given to you to engage opposition. They were not given to you just for the sake of making money. They were given to you to engage opposition. Life was not designed to be easy. God didn't say, oh, Jeremiah, go build a wall. You're not going to have a problem. Matter of fact, let me just give you all the people in the world. Not, not, there won't be anything to deal with. Don't worry about the problem. Don't worry about war. Uh-uh. What does it say in that latter verse? Towards the end, go, go to verse 15 for me. When our enemies heard they were aware of our plot, that God had frustrated it, we returned to the wall, each to his own work. Go to verse 16. Go to add verse 16. Yeah, somebody read it. posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. So what were they doing while they were working? What? Holding their armor. So while they were while they were working, right, and doing something innovative, they were also battling what? The enemy, opposition. So these men who were skilled builders and craftsmen, they were building, being innovative, and facing opposition. Don't allow yourself to be overcome by the opposition, by the naysayers so much that you forget about the talents and gifts that you possess. Don't allow that to suffocate the reason why you're in school studying what you're studying. You got a sense that God calls you to be a nurse, to be a doctor? Stay with that. Okay? Tuition money is low. We know this. Okay? But you have the mind for it, so you stick with it. And you ask God to provide, to give provision for it. The reason why we get beat down in life so very easily is because the voice of opposition gets louder than the voice of innovation. I'm going to just stick with the words. That's all the Lord has given me here. Okay. So the voice of indoctrination is always trying to speak louder than the voice of innovation. All the time. And when you're in a system where everybody thinks differently than you, and you know that the way they're thinking hasn't gotten them very far, you are going to face some of the more challenging times of your life. Because no one is seeing the world the way you do. Now, it can be very frustrating to have two innovative people in the same house. Because sometimes you wonder, are we ever looking, are we ever seeing things on the same page? 
We seem to see things very differently from each other. I know I'm married. I experience it. You probably experience it with your mom, your dad, a brother or sister. You don't see things the same. You both don't see things a traditional way, the way everybody else sees it. But sometimes you're not seeing eye to eye. God did not design you to agree with everybody. His intention was not for you to do what everybody else does, to see the world the way everybody else sees it. He designed you for a specific purpose. Our role is to discern God's purpose for our life and the calling he has given us. Okay, so yes, I'm in college right now, and I, I don't have a job, so you're telling me, how do, how do I work my calling now? How do I work my calling now? Okay, you're called to be an artist. Part of your work is supposed to transform people's perception about themselves. Am I supposed to wait until I get published and somebody puts my name in lights? Should I? No. I need to be finding that audience now. See, some of us expect our audience to come to us. You are a foreigner passing through. It is your job to find the audience. Yes, it is your job to find the audience. If God gave you the burden, then it's on you to prayerfully seek out where you need to go to reach those people. So let's bring it down to our church level, okay, since we're here. So we see, some of, we see some of each other, you know, time and time again, every week. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we indoctrinating ourselves into being here on a Sunday by Sunday? Or are we supposed to be doing something innovative in our approach to reach other people who don't know him so they can fill the empty seats? I was sitting out there this morning, and I wondered how many times, how many people have passed by this room and we have not engaged them to come inside. I saw three people today walk by. Right? So the common goes for indoctrination, staying with the same thing. Innovation requires us to come out of our comfort zone, do something new. I don't really know why I'm all in this at this moment, but it, those are the two things we're battling. Those are the two things we're battling now. Continue to defy the culture. Part of what sin does, part of what, the, what, what happens in the world is we get so beat up, we get so many responsibilities, we face so many challenges, sick parents, sick children, a lot of hours at the job, many things to do, that it drowns out our personal vision, it drowns out the voice of God, and we become weak. We lose focus. I found myself losing focus early part of this year because I was allowing people and all the old things, the paradigms they were trying to fit me in, and fit us in, trying to dominate. They were really trying to dominate 
and the work we were doing. And it started to go into the kids. And the kids started to see, uh, they're not making any, they're not, they, the kids started to give us pushback. Because they were getting a sense that, oh, this isn't different. I'm going to do what I did in my other school. I'm going to make the rules. I'm going to make, set the pattern. You have got to retreat to a place where you can go to God and ask him, what do I need to shift in my life again to get back on track? Nehemiah, when people were sleeping, he went over to the land and prayed. It was when it was quiet and no one else was around that he snuck out and began to talk to God about what, what, what do I need to do here? What do I need to do? You need to get your uninterrupted time back. You need to get your uninterrupted time back. That is how you're going to hear God and discern the next step. Proverbs Proverbs 2, 2 through 7, talks about how we should respond. But verse 3 in particular says, Proverbs 2, 3, Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like you would hidden treasure. Cry out for understanding. Cry out for insight. And ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for, for silver. Seek them like you are, like you would for hidden treasure. You need time to do that. All the stuff is really not that important. It's really not that important if you're not stealing away time to get insight and understanding about why God has you here. You are some of the most dynamic people in this country, in this room. You are some of the most dynamic people in this country. You're in this room. But if you allow yourself to get dominated by traditions and old ways of thinking, you will not reach the potential God's given you. There will always be a cap on your bottle. That's what the devil wants to do. That's what busyness does. You could be in school working hard, but if God is not at the center, if you're not keeping his mission for you while you're in school, if you're not asking God, what do you want? Am I supposed to be an engineer? Or am I supposed to be a teacher? Because I got this battle going on right now and I need some clarity. But if you're too busy and you can't make space to really ask that question and be still to get an answer, you're not going to get it. So we could find ourselves doing all the wrong things. And they're exciting and people are praising us about them and our parents are saying, oh, great job. But because you haven't stolen away that time to get what God wants into your head, it will be all praise, it will be all exciting, but you'll miss the target. So we have no business going before God when we die and him asking us, did you do this? You see that right there? That old lady? Did you ever meet her? She was at that soup kitchen I told you to go to. Did you, did you ever get there? 
Oh, I'm sorry. I, you had to work overtime. That's right. I'm sorry. Well, she's in hell right now. You missed her. What about him? Yeah, that, that little boy over there. Remember you were crossing the street? You saw him too close to the curb? You didn't say anything because you were late for a meeting? Yeah. Did you see him? He was struck by a bus. Listen to the voice of God when he's speaking to you. Every action matters. I'm preaching to the choir. Trust me. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm talking to myself. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. You've got to be uncommon. Common people always pay attention to deadlines and other people's expectations. Common people always pay attention to deadlines and other people's expectations. Uncommon people pay attention to God's voice and steal away time to discern his next step. That's what uncommon people do. That is our responsibility. Proverbs 7, 4, love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. James 1, 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Verse 6 says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect anything from the Lord. We can't afford to be unsettled anymore. We have to fight being unsettled. We have to fight the craziness. Create that pocket of time. And I don't know why I keep saying that, but maybe that's because, maybe that's something we have to do that we haven't been doing. I know I'm guilty of it. Create that pocket of time to get what God is saying to you. And go with it. Go with it. This is the time to do it. They're bragging about great innovations that young people are doing. They're bragging about all the new technologies. They're bragging about so many different things. Some things on TV don't even make sense. They're bragging about. And they're stealing all of the attention. It's stealing our attention because we're watching it. And we're paying attention to it. But it really is you. If the Bible says... Call upon me and I'll show you great and mighty things you don't know. You need the space to do that. You can't call upon him and still stay in distraction. Create that space. Indoctrination wants the same thing over and over again. Right? Innovation requires a new idea. 
a new pattern of thinking. It is the Holy Spirit that provides a new pattern of thinking. It was that new pattern of thinking that Jeremiah, that Nehemiah was fighting. People were fighting against him. There was a new, there was a new pattern of thinking with Caleb. Caleb said he was going to take that. He said, "We can take the wall." What scripture is that? I'm just going to give it to you. It was Numbers 13:30. He said, "Let's go at once and take the land. Let's go at once and take it. We can take it. It's ours." The Lord. In verse 1 of, of Numbers 13 said, he said, I, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord had given him instructions to do it. And yet it was other people who were, started talking, the distractions, pulling them away. And that's how you got to verse 31 in that chapter. But the other men who explored the land with him said, no, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it. Pull away from the nose. You have to pull away from the nose and allow the Holy Spirit to transform our thinking. If you are in a place now, like I am, I'm already standing, I'm battling the indoctrination, the old ideas, the old ways of thinking. And there has been a new way of thinking that God has given me that I'm fighting for to remember what's important and what's valuable to him, not to the world to him if you need prayer to fight against the indoctrination and to move into God's innovation for your life God's new idea then I ask you to stand we're going to pray together. And as we're praying, I want you to pray sincerely. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of images, and every high thing that tries to exalt itself, make itself higher than the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, O oh God. We humbly come before you now, Lord, your sons and daughters, your children of light. We thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We ask you, O oh God, to break through in us, O oh God. Lord God, that we move, that we move away from indoctrination that gets us nowhere that just follows the status quo and what's comfortable. And we ask you, Lord God, to push your idea, <laughs> your big ideas on us, Lord Jesus. That we fulfill the calling and the plan you have, Lord God, for us, Lord Jesus. That we be like Nehemiah, Lord God. That when you called us to build the wall, Lord God, we go. And even when those come around us, Lord Jesus, trying to discourage us, that we refuse to pay them any attention, but that instead we would hold fast to, the, to the, the task, to the job you've given us. And we'd be armored, Lord God. That your word, Lord God, would feed us. That we stay connected with you. That as we go, Lord Jesus, there's success because we're following your pattern. And not being dominated by threats and intimidation or hopelessness. 
but by your word, which comforts us and leads us as we pursue it, O oh God. Lord God, I pray for each and every one in this room, Lord God, that the creative ideas you have given, Lord God, that you initiated in the hearts at birth, Lord Jesus, that you're calling out even now that you allow to come forth, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. We are more than conquerors through Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Lord God. We hold fast to your promise, Lord Jesus. Whatever it might be in our individual lives, we ask for your power and your might to work through us, to transform us, to purify us, to put us in the right place, oh God, so that we're fulfilling your plan and your purpose, oh God. Lord God, help us, oh God, to come from the common, to come out from the common. And as we trust you, we begin to walk in the uncommon because you are our Lord, because we're trusting in you. We thank you, Lord, that it's done, that your excellent power is being made known in us, that you're purifying us, O oh God, from old ways of thinking, from traditional values, even in our families, O oh God. Lord God, free us right now in the name of Jesus from all ideas and perspectives that challenge an obedient relationship with you. Lord God, that we would be kings and queens, there would be princes and princesses, oh God, called by you to do unordinary things in this world, Lord God, so that your name, that men will see our good works and glorify you who are in heaven in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you're great, that you do miracles which are great, that there is no one like you, that there is nothing impossible with you. So we surrender, Lord God, our points of view to you. And we ask you to dominate our thinking with truth and light from your word. That we be what you call us to be, Lord God. That we act obediently, Father. That we transform, Lord God, our communities, our nations. That we be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.